is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. And this is The Talking Dead number 88 for Monday, September the 24th, 2012, as Doc Brown just told you. Well, of course, Doc Brown, he knows everything. Are we, uh, we're number 88 miles per hour, is that, is that correct? Yeah, you know, close enough. 88, number 88, 88 miles per hour. No matter what, you're going to see some serious shit. Awesome. <laughs> or, or at least hear it. <laughs> or at least hear it. <laughs> um, so that's all for tonight, everybody. Clip from Doc Brown. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Isn't there uh uh, oh, what was the name of the uh, that movie with the Kill Bill? Wasn't there an '88 in there too? Oh, the '88 Assassins, maybe. Yeah, Kill Bill '88. Maybe. There was a reference in there, or the Crazy '88. The Crazy '88. That was it. You're right. Crazy '88s. Right. See, the '88's a big number. It is a big number. It's it's big and important, and uh, it's a sideways double infinity. <laughs> that must be why, <laughs> yeah. right there. Huge. Must be why. Huge number. And it's a palindrome. It's the same forwards and backwards. You you wouldn't say. <laughs> I would. <laughs> the palindrome number. That's what a palindrome is, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Is. Yeah, two is a palindrome, too. Well, okay, I, I, I Even if it's two true. ones. Two ones. One, one, or two. Well, um, speaking of two ones and palindromes, it's National Punctuation Day. Oh, cool. And I, I just want to wish everyone a happy National Punctuation Day. You can find out more at nationalpunctuationday.com. <clears throat> nationalpunctuationday.com Yeah, on the website, it's a celebration of the lowly comma, correctly used quotation marks, and other proper uses of periods, semicolons, and the ever-mysterious ellipsis. Ooh. <laughs> I like the ellipsis, actually. You know what? And it's, I use it incorrectly all the time. Oh, uh, Almost everybody does. That is the problem with the ellipsis, that it's not used correctly ever in, in modern internet vernacular. But I use it incorrectly, <clears throat> knowingly. Uh, using it incorrectly. Do you? I do. So you don't use it to indicate a trailing off and or something is missing? Uh, it's more of a... Uh, In I fact, use, sorry, I think something is omitted is the correct usage. Yes, yeah, something I'm that correct. something is missing or omitted or there's more information that's not provided here right? Uh, kind of thing. I use, usually use it for uh, a... In, like Barney does in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Wait for it. <laughs> Oh. That's how I use it. So something else is coming. It's a textual, wait for it. That's how I use it. <laughs> do you do this in professional business correspondence? Um, amongst coworkers, <laughs> yes. To clients, no. You don't or want that. Actually, depending on the client. Some clients, I will use it. You don't want the clients to wait for it. You want them well, to have it right now. Sometimes. It depends on if I have a good personal relationship with the client. Right. If okay. I do, then it's a little more uh, you know, familiar, and I can, be, I can use my uh, incorrect ellipsis. <clears throat> well, if you did that today, the people over at National Punctuation Day would not have been happy. No. That's all I can say about that. So uh, go out and use your ellipses correctly, people. I use uh, commas correctly, and I use semicolons correctly. I tend to overuse commas. I know that for sure. Do you? And I like a good semicolon. I agree with that. I even uh, okay, just in the in the vein of you know National Punctuation Day as the discussion uh, is going now. Uh, I actually use correct punctuation in ninety nine percent of all of my uh, conversations online. 
emails, I always use correct punctuation and capitalization. Even in text messages, I will use correct punctuation when at all possible. Well, email, I certainly don't begrudge you for that. Everyone should use proper punctuation and uh, grammar in email. Yep, absolutely. You need to be clear, first of all, in what you're saying. Uh, But in text messages and maybe instant messages, I can see letting that go a little bit for the sake of um, speed. Sometimes I let it slide if I'm in a rush and I'm trying to get something out. But then again, I'll let spelling slide too. Like, uh, you know, spell should with the L at the end instead of before the D. S-H-O-U-D-L? Yes. Should So that's just sometimes I'll go back and correct it. But I'm the same way with punctuations. I'll capitalize and punctuate pretty much everything. <clears throat> Even in text messages, uh, I, I, will, I will punctuate and capitalize. Yep. Um, it, it, the iPhone that we both use, make it easy. A double space puts a period and a space in. Yeah. So stuff like that. Um, there are certain, uh, my iPhone has learned certain spellings for words that I've misspelled. Right. So it, in, it inserts those all automatically, which I just leave. I, I just go with them now because that's the way I type apparently. Right. <laughs> so I'm well, okay with go. it. If you've ever, if I've ever used one of my kids' names in a, te- a message to you, you will see that it put a capital letter in the middle of the word for no reason other than that's how I spelled it the first time I wrote it. Right. So, and I just went with it. So why not? <laughs> you, uh, do you, uh, when you use Siri, do you? Tell her punctuation. I only have an iPhone four, my friend. Oh, you don't have Siri? Not yet. Oh, I get. To, I was texting you earlier on the way here. We kind of missed each other at the subway. It's I, lucky we're here all, at all, really. It really is. I was using Siri to uh, to text you, and I would actually tell her punctuation. Uh, the actual text I remember is, "Where are you?" Question mark. I will come and get you. Period. And she recognizes that, and we'll put that in. Yeah. Well, you have to learn to speak like that to Siri. I've heard. Yes. That's how you dictate. That's how you dictate. So punctuation is awesome. I'm a big fan of the punctuation. Okay. Well, happy National Punctuation Day. Go find out more at nationalpunctuationday.com. Period. (laughs) Very good. So let's – before we get into the news, there are two things I want to talk about briefly, and that is, first of all, the Facebook contest. I didn't mention it last week, or at least I didn't mention it off the top. Fail. Yeah, that's right. Um, But as – in case you are unaware – we are running a contest right now where we want you to go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash thetalkingdead, and post your favorite way to kill a zombie. That can be favorite, most creative, most effective, wackiest, goofiest, whatever. It's all meant to be fun and stimulate a little bit of conversation if possible. So post your favorite way to kill a zombie on our Facebook page. We will keep track of all those, and we will announce a winner on our podcast for the season three premiere, which will be sometime that weekend mm-hmm. after the premiere, of course. Yes. <clears throat> now, speaking of that weekend, that weekend, Jason and I are both making a uh, trek down to New York Comic Con in Manhattan, in lovely Manhattan, New York. It's called. We're going to call it Dead Trek. We are. Well, you said we're making a trek down t- down there, and we're going to the Comic Con for The Walking Dead. So uh, call it Dead Trek. It's like Star Trek, but only for the, for the dead. Sure, I, I, I can get on board with that. All right. We're making a dead trek to New York for New York Comic Con. I went last year, as uh, longtime listeners will recall. Jason's coming with me this time. I did not go last year, and I cried the whole weekend. So <laughs> this year I'm going. You were moving into a house. I'm sure you didn't cry that much. Oh, yeah. I cried. I had to, I had to go sit in my furnace room and cry because we didn't have any furniture. <laughs> At least you were warm down there. It's true. Uh, so we will both be in New York for Comic-Con. It's going to be awesome. There is going to be a huge Walking Dead presence there. Lots of the cast are going to be there. Lots of, you know, Kirkman, everybody. It's going to be fantastic. Lots of uh, good stuff to check out and see. 
panels galore. It's going to be very, very fun. So if you happen to be listening and are going to be attending New York Comic Con, look for us, and if you see us, say hi. One of us, at least at some point, will be wearing a Talking Dead t-shirt. No way. We're wearing matching shirts the whole weekend. The whole time? Come really? on. Really? I'm not sure I want to do that. <laughs> It'll be fun. By myself last year, I could easily get away with wearing the same shirt every day or a different version of the same shirt. We should get shirts that uh, have arrows that point to each other. It says, I'm with that walking dead guy. (laughs) I'm with that podcaster. There you go. Uh, We're not going to do that. But if you do see one or two people walking around with talking dead shirts, chances are it's us. Now, I say chances are because there are other people out there, including a couple in the New York area, that have talking dead t-shirts, and maybe they'll wear them. And I hope they do. Maybe we should get matching hats. Would that work? Um, yes. If you can pull together some hats in time, then absolutely. All right. <laughs> it's, in, it's, uh, it's in your court on the hat yeah, department. Yeah, just make them out of paper. It's no problem. There you go. I'll, paper make a new, I'll make a newspaper hat, and I'll write The Walking Dead on it, and we'll each wear one. <laughs> when you go up to meet Robert Kirkman, make sure you're wearing that. A uh, Walking Dead pirate hat. You won't look crazy at all. <laughs> Ooh, tinfoil. Now we're talking. <laughs> yes. Tinfoil hats. Exactly. So we'll be there. Um, like I said, say hi if you see us. We will have some stuff with us to give out, so it's in your best interest to say hi. You never know what we might have that day. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to do some kind of a meetup or something because there's not a lot of time to plan it, A. And B, you know, we're not from New York. We don't know what to do, where to go down there. And C, we don't know if anyone would show up. Right. So um, that's the deal. We'll be there anyways. It's going to be great. Well, it's New York. I mean, uh, how many bars could there be? Right? Probably not that many. Just show up at a bar. We'll probably be there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All righty. Let's get on to the next segment, which is this. The Walking Dead News. Okay. Speaking of New York Comic Con, we are going to run down some of the details for what will be happening at the event. Cool. They put out a press, Skybound put out a press release with all these uh, details. And first of all, of course, Robert Kirkman will be there. Nice. (laughs) In case there was any question about that. He'll be doing a panel on Friday, the uh, 12th of October, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Uh, Called Skybound on the Rise. Now, he'll be there with a few other of the uh, people involved in Skybound, which is his imprint. That should be fun. <clears throat> He'll be doing an autograph signing on Friday with Jay Bonansinga, the uh, other writer of the Walking Dead novels. The Road to Woodbury, which is the second one, comes out on the Tuesday after New York Comic Con. So you'll be able to get slightly advanced copies at the convention. Cool. Maybe he, uh, he can sign my audio book. Well, he could, but I'll get a hard cover of it as well so. to sign my iphone yeah i have uh <laughs> here sign this <laughs> um i have a hard cover of the first book the uh rise of the governor so don't I'll, you have it signed already i do have that one signed by him so i want to get the second one signed too. oh there you go good thinking yeah i have get a whole... it signed again bring it uh, uh can you uh, sign this for me again <laughs> <laughs> yeah he'll think the first one was a fake or something what's well, his own signature maybe he'd recognize it well i know but you, that's what i mean it's a fake of his signature Probably people out there that would do that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's on Friday. And then on Sunday, he'll be doing a panel called Kirkmania, which I think is mostly a Q&A session with him. Right. It's all about him, what he does. You can stand in line and ask silly questions to Robert Kirkman. Right. Like, where are the Walking Dead cookies? Where are the cookies? I don't know. Maybe we should get up and ask him, when does it end? And I mean, when does the expansion of the Walking Dead universe start to 
trail off when it reaches critical mass and starts to collapse into the, the big crunch. Yeah, isn't aren't we getting there? I don't know. All right, I did buy a Walking Dead calendar and uh, Walking Dead drinking glasses. <laughs> That's okay. I, I like the glasses are really nice. I, I actually really like them. Do you are they your favorite glasses in your house now? Uh, actually, currently they are. There you go. So they got a good weight to them. I like uh, a nice heavy glass. So they're good quality glass. Oh yeah, thick. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Well, drinking glasses, calendars, anything you can imagine, it's all out there for The Walking I'm Dead. Sure, so yeah. that's what I want to ask him. When is he going to stop licensing it to to various <laughs> products? Rain it in. Rain it in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep it under control there, man. Uh, okay, so The Walking Dead cast will also be at New York Comic Con. And that's cast uh, actors, of course, as well as producers and directors and stuff like that. The list goes... Uh, Andrew Lincoln, Norman Reedus, Chandler Riggs, Denai Guerrera, David Morrissey, Michael Rooker, Gail Ann Hurd, Glenn Mazzara, and of course, as I said, Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman. So they'll all be doing the the Walking Dead panel on Saturday, Saturday evening, in the big IGN theater. I was at last year's panel. It was fun, but I was pretty far back. This year, I want to get in there and get right up front. Okay. Because that'll be even more fun. Bring binoculars. No, we won't need them if we're that close. Well, Okay. (laughs) Opera glasses. Then. Or if you bring binoculars and we're close, you'll you'll be able to see the pores on their faces. Sweet. That might be fun. Uh, there will, of course, be autograph signings with the, with the cast and apparently a, a special signing limited to just 50 fans. Ooh. And they're going to give out details on how to get into that at a later date, presumably before the convention. Wow. So that would be fun. Hopefully we can get on board with that because I'd love to be there too. Yeah, absolutely. Get my uh, <clears throat> get my issue 100 or something signed by everybody on the show. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Wow, Kirkman's got a busy weekend. He's there Friday, Saturday, Sunday doing stuff. He Yeah, uh, he is. Yeah, he's there all the time now. Last year he was pretty busy too. He did all these panels. He did the Walking Dead panel. He did one or two signings a day at the Image booth on the on the show floor. So... He's got lots going on. That's a long weekend for someone. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I, I guess, but he's there to promote his stuff. I don't know if he gets paid to be there. Do you think he gets oh, paid yeah. to show up there? Oh yeah. Well, I know, Huge. like I know, like the 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 actors and stuff do, but a guy like him, I oh, guess yeah. he's pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. All right. Well, then screw him. He should he should feel <laughs> <laughs> he should like doing it in that case. Well, of course, but you know, it's uh, you know, the cons are these comic cons are uh, big money for all the actors and people involved. Yeah. Well, I I didn't mean screw him. I said I meant good for him. We're all paying a boatload of money to get there and we'll right? see him there. We and, are, and that's for sure. They're using that cash to pay for all the actors and the big names to to come and draw us there. That is true. Well, it worked. It did. It worked. I'm super excited. Okay, exclusives. The Walking Dead hardcover compendium, the red foil version, limited to 1,500 copies. You buying three? No, I'm buying one. I don't want to take... I mean, other people need to have some, too. You can sell one on eBay. Buy two, sell one on eBay, and pay for both. Yeah, get one of them signed and sell it all on eBay? I don't want to do that. No, I don't know. It just, I wouldn't do that either. It just feels shifty. I've never sold anything on eBay. No, neither have I. Neither I don't think I. I've ever actually bought anything real on eBay either. Neither have I, actually. I've, I've browsed eBay a lot, but I've never bought anything. I, or... bought, uh, I bought some in-game money for Ultima Online <laughs> once. Bought a million gold. For how much? Ten bucks. Ten bucks for a million gold? Yeah. It's not bad. It was money well worth, well worth it. It was uh, money well spent. But not, uh, not a physical product. No, never bought anything real. Okay. Well, um, 
I'm not going to be buying anything real at the convention to sell on uh, eBay, but I'm sure there are people, there will be people who are doing that. But at San Diego Comic Con earlier in the summer, they had a hardcover compendium that was a gold foil version. Ooh. So this is the New York equivalent. It's red foil, and there's 1,500 of them. It's 100 bucks. Oof. So you got to really want it, which I do. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're saving your pennies? I am. I'm rolling my change. I'm going to uh, take a bunch of rolled pennies up to the booth and pay with those when I get there. Yeah, they'd be like, man, these are Canadian. Oh, yeah. Damn. <laughs> Except our dollar's worth more than I know, can. but it's a whole bunch of pennies. Who wants anybody's they, pennies, let alone a bunch of Canadian they'd pennies? They'd be making money with Canadian pennies. Yeah, but you got to carry them to the bank. It's not worth it. So the other exclusive that I could find out about, I mentioned already, that is advanced copies of The Road to Woodbury, which comes out officially on October 16th. But over the weekend, it will be available there. I don't know if it's only at signings with Kirkman and Boninsinga or if it's just for sale at the booth. I'm not sure. Either way, it's early by a few days. So if you really want yep. it, you can get it. That'd be good. All righty. Uh, continuing with New York Comic Con, we reported on the Walking Dead official magazine a number of podcasts ago. Mm-hmm, this I is, remember. Yeah, this is being published as your one-stop source for all information about The Walking Dead. Unlike this podcast. <clears throat> well, this, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Nobody buy this magazine. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> this is your print version of all things. Right. Exactly. It's the print version. And there are at least... I think four different covers available for it now, Ugh. one of which is an exclusive Michonne cover uh, by Charlie Adler, which will be available at New York Comic Con. There's also the standard, like, uh, just standard release that'll be in stores. There's at least one or two more variants as well. I think one's black and white and one's exclusive to something else. It's so. a magazine. Do we really need a collect them all kind of attitude? <laughs> Rain it in. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, there were enough covers for number 100 of the comic. They're doing at least four or five for the magazine. Why not? Yeah. But you know I'm going to get one, so uh, what can you do? And according to the publisher, which is Titan Magazines, the magazine is already one of Diamond Comic Distributors' best-selling mags of all time, and it's based on orders from retailers. So Diamond Comic Distributors is the distributor for this magazine, and they've sold more of these than any other magazine, and the thing's not even out yet. Wow. It's in stores sometime in October. License uh, to print money. Yeah, it really, really is. Well, all the stores have to buy four times as many because <laughs> there's four covers. Well, except that the uh, only one or two of the covers are available, I think, to retailers. Oh, like, okay. this is a exclusive to Comic-Con. So, still, though, you're right. They they Maybe they buy a couple versions of it. I guess they order lots of extras. Why not? Okay. <clears throat> In Entertainment Weekly recently, there was an article about Andrea and Michonne and their um, relationship sort of in season three specifically. Now, Danny from the internet wrote an email into us wondering how much time had passed between seasons. And I had sort of had the feeling that, you know, a lot of people were thinking about this because in the trailer, we could see people had longer hair and beards and things like that. Stuff had changed a little bit. And so the only thing I took away from this article when I read it is a quote from the very beginning, which says, The action in Season 3 picks up several months after the end of Season 2, and in that time, Andrea and Michonne have become very close. Oh, that's nice. So there you go. We have the semi-official word that we're several months later. Right. 
And based on Herschel's beard growth and Carl's hair growth, I'm going to go with three to four right. months later. So the literal meaning of several. I suppose. Okay. <laughs> but the several could also be 18. You know, I mean, it's well, not that long. Yeah. Though. It's not that But they far. would say a year and a half or, you know, it's been a year. Uh, it's been about a year. It's been almost two years. What would they say if it was nine months later? It's been a pregnancy. <laughs> Right. I should have seen that one coming. A gestation period. (laughs) A gestation period later, people are happy. Yeah. Uh, So there you go. Official word, several months. There you go. (laughs) Um, Webisodes. Remember the webisodes from uh, season one or between season one and two? I do. I watched them on the uh, the DVD. Greg Nicotero directed them. We're getting more webisodes. And this series will be called Cold Storage. As I said, directed by Greg Nicotero. There's going to be four this time, five-minute episodes, and they will all be coming out on October 1st. All at once. All at once. That's weird. They did that last time, too. They all came out on the same day. Huh. Uh, Here's the summary. Cold Storage tells the story of a young man, Chase, that's his name, I guess, trying to reach his sister in the early days of the zombie apocalypse. He finds temporary shelter in a storage facility run by a former employee named BJ. However, things are not what they appear. Uh-oh. As they tend not to be. Well, the cold storage facility is obviously a transformer of some kind. Transformer? Yeah. Like uh, a transforming robot transformer? Yeah, it's the only explanation. <laughs> I guess so. It's not what it seems. So Chase will be played by Josh Stewart. Um, I don't remember who he is, but if you want to look him up on IMDb, we can find out what he's been in. And BJ will, is played by Daniel Roebuck, who you will recognize as Doc Arts from Lost. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. He's the high school chemistry teacher who blew himself up with yeah, the dynamite. Yeah, the dynamite. Yeah. In, in mid-sentence, no less. It wasn't mid-sentence? It was. He was talking about how dangerous it was, and uh, then he blew up. And then he blew up. Uh, so he'll be in it. Daniel Roebuck. That's exciting. And Hurley got artsed all over him. Oh, God. Did he? <laughs> yeah. He was covered in arts. Artsed. Arts. Arsed. Arts. Uh, so he'll be a familiar face in it. Josh Stewart. You got him up there yet? I'm uh, typing it in here. Josh Stewart. Oh, that guy. Who's, what's he from? What's he been in? Uh, Benjamin Buttons, Law Abiding Citizen, uh, The Collection, let's see, Criminal Minds, uh, Mentalist. So do you recognize him from any of these things? I recognize things? his picture, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to remember any character. Dirt, that's why. Okay. I saw him in Dirt. You ever watch the television series? Uh, Dirt, it was uh, produced by What's Her Eyebrows from uh, Courtney Cox. Dirt. Yeah, no, Courtney I Cox and her then husband, uh, one of the Baldwin guys, they produced this show called Dirt that was a season long. She was a tough as nails uh, magazine editor. Wait a minute. She was married to the guy from Scream. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Not Baldwin. Yeah, what, what's his name? Anyways, it <laughs> doesn't matter. She produced a show called Dirt. Yeah. Okay, when was it on? Uh, it was before the crappy sitcom that she's doing now. Cougar Town. That's the one. I don't even know if that's still on the air. Um, okay. What the hell was his name from uh, Scream? I don't... I can't remember. We need my wife Drew here. Barrymore? No. That is a woman. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so... Um, anyways, Josh Stewart's been around for a while. He clearly has some acting chops. And... Uh, David Arquette. That's oh, okay. there you go. Sorry, not a Baldwin. He's an Arquette. They're related, though. Really? I think the families are related. Okay, let's just say they are and move on. <laughs> Um, what I was trying to say is, Josh Stewart, do you think, 
because we have some named actors, technically some like name actors in this, that we're going to get better quality acting than we did in the first round of uh, webisodes. Because I thought the acting in those was questionable at shaky. best. Very shaky. Shaky, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I really do think that we're going to get uh, better acting in this one with these these two actors that have actually been on TV before mm-hmm. and for, uh, I assume, acting purposes. Well, both so, of them acted. Yep. So, uh, no, I think the acting is going to be uh, uh, leaps and bounds uh, better than the last – well, that's episodes. a good that's a good sign because the first webisodes, really, there was nothing wrong with them other than, I think, the acting. To be honest with you, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the story was fine. It was you know it was short and truncated, but that's what the nature of webisodes. But they just weren't that strong in the acting department. So maybe if we get some better people, better players in there, we could be in for some quality uh, entertainment here. But better people. That's the answer. We need better people in you, there. You know what I mean. I do. Greg Nicotero's he's a good he's a good person. He's good people. He is. And I think Josh Stewart and Daniel Robach are too. So there we go. Those come out on October first, I guess on AMC's website, amctv.com slash the walking dead. Mm-hmm. Telltale, <clears throat> the company that is of course doing the episodic game right now, has announced via a tweet that they will be releasing the full game on disc on December fourth. Cool. So that's not that far from now. It's not. Um, we got two episodes left to go between now and then. There are two. So I was speculating that uh, this means number four and five will obviously have to come out before then. I'm thinking one in October, sometime around the premiere. Yep. Maybe to capitalize on that. And the fifth one towards the end of November, maybe early December. I think it'll probably be pretty close to that disc release. Well, date. I think it would be the last weekend in November. That's a pretty big uh, holiday purchase weekend. Uh, uh, maybe, yeah. So November, yeah, November 24th, I would say, or the Tuesday, which is the 27th. Okay. Because the 4th is a week later. So that uh, that last weekend of November is, like, huge for holiday shopping. You know, yeah. I mean, unless they want to get the last one out as an episode earlier, so there's a longer time before the disc comes out, I don't know. Well, they wouldn't because, uh, you know, if it's, good, it's going to be episode 5... Who who cares how long you wait? Right, because if you've been playing it along already, you're not going to wait to buy that if you want to play it. Right. You're not going to go wait for the disc to buy all the ones you already have. So why not just get it out sort of all at once and people can buy what they want? Right. But They'll you don't want to confuse them, too, by you know offering just the, the fifth episode and all of the episodes. It's like, well, what do I buy? It's like, okay, so you buy the fifth episode for all the people that want to play it, mm-hmm. and you buy the uh, the disc for to give the gift to somebody that... Uh, Probably has already played it. Yeah, here you go. Or, you know, here's... <laughs> that's that's an interesting gift. Here's a game that's terribly violent, uh, full of off-color language, and really, really sad at times. Enjoy. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> so the tweet uh, that the developer posted was, the entire season on disc December 4th in North America for Xbox 360 and PS3, EU dates to be announced. So there you go, 360 and PS3, early December. Nice. Folks in the EU, keep your ear to the ground, and you'll uh, have dates eventually. It will be announced it at some point. It will be announced. Um, moving along to the next item, K&B Effects wins an Emmy for prosthetic makeup. Nice. The technical Emmys were given out not last night, I don't believe. Last but week sometime. Sometime right? last week, yeah. The award was presented to Greg Nicotero and his team for the season two premiere, What Lies Ahead?, and they beat out American Horror Story, Boardwalk Empire, Game of Thrones, and Once Upon a Time. Hmm. 
Now, I'm a little bit surprised that they won for what lies ahead and not the teabag zombie. Well, it's a matter of what they submitted. Oh, I suppose right? that's true. But why would you not submit the teabag? That's, that was a lot of prosthetics. And he was disgusting and just, well, clearly really well done. It might have been over the top because that was obviously a man in a suit. Right? Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, but uh, what lies ahead was probably a lot more subtle. Because that's, I don't know, it's the, it's really kind of a fine line between, yeah, he's wearing a uh, a 60-pound prosthetic, and no, that's just a dude in a suit. Right? Uh, yeah, sure. But I mean, well, what's the difference between a guy in a suit and a prosthetic? Uh, a prosthetic takes spirit gum to put on, a guy in a suit, <laughs> zip it up, and you're done? Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I mean, a, a suit, it was a suit, but I mean, it was a full, wasn't a full body thing. Really? Well, I had a, like, it was also a big, huge head thing. It was like a helmet. Yeah. With and like I, a, and the tongue. Did you see the tongue <clears> on them? And that was disgusting. You could, you could, you could break that down into individual prosthetics, I bet, too. I don't know. I, I, you know, it's the technical awards. They're all very technical people. And maybe technically they didn't quite qualify for, as a prosthetic. Well, I think maybe you might be right. Or, yeah, maybe it technically didn't. Or it was just so over the top like maybe they look for subtlety like they look for stuff that you don't notice as standing out as prosthetics yeah right like someone who wears a fake nose and you'd never know that they're wearing a fake nose maybe that wins you a prosthetic makeup award right rather than a dude in a big disgusting zombie which wins you a costume award costume award or yeah something else at the scream awards probably right (laughs) uh but anyways congratulations to greg nicotero and everybody involved on another Emmy win, because I think they've got some in the past, too, even for this show. Right. I, I'm just trying to think of the prosthetics in uh, American Horror Story. Do um, you remember any prosthetic? Well, there was the dude in the uh, in the latex suit. Again, body suit, it's, not it's prosthetic. It's more of a costume than anything else. Yeah, that's true. Well, this is the thing. This is what I'm saying. Maybe there were lots in there, but we didn't know because... Well, she was pregnant at one point, right? So, uh, well, the, through the whole show, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the uh, the belly... Maybe Belly's is is a prosthetic. I don't know. Yeah. You know that. Well, I liked that show, and I'm looking forward to it coming back this year. Yeah, me too. I am. It is the the first time in my life that I had ever considered the concept of two twins from different fathers. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry to spoil that. By the way, I should have said something ahead of time, but. In that show, she's pregnant with twins, and they're from different fathers. Yep. I didn't even consider that as a possibility oh, yeah, before possible. that show came along. It's very likely and, and very slutty. It's unlikely. Yeah. Oh, very <laughs> unlikely. That's right. Right. <laughs> it can, I guess it can happen, but it just never occurred to me before. What have, how have I been living my life? Where have I failed in that I didn't know about that? I don't want to answer that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Instead, <laughs> McFarland Toys has revealed the net next batch of action figures. So we have Deputy Rick Grimes. Deputy. Yes. I think in the past we've had Sheriff Rick Grimes and another one, which I can't think of right now. But we've got Deputy now. Shane Deputy Walsh. Rick. Shane Walsh. Bicycle Girl, which will be fun. Well Zombie, Teabag Zombie, as he's known around here, and RV Zombie. So they're oh. really focusing on the the hero zombies here. Oh, that Teabag Zombie is nasty. I know. Isn't he gross? But in an awesome way. <laughs> oh, an RV Inspector Zombie. Yeah. Um, in the first round of, of figures from McFarlane, we didn't have 
as specific zombies. We more had just Walker and Lurker or something like that, you know, with body ripping action and stuff like that. Now, if you look at Teabag Zombie there, look at that crack across his belly. He's definitely got body ripping action there. He's got some nastiness that's uh, going on in there. I'm looking (laughs) forward to these. Oh, yeah, these are cool. I wouldn't be surprised if these were available in New York in a few weeks, but I don't know. Uh, Last year, the first round of figures were available at the convention ahead of time, so you might be able to pick those up or these up, Um, and I think I might. I bought them last year at the convention, and I'm really happy with my purchase. Well, yeah, but I'm not sure I need to purchase them there at that time. Like, they're going to come out in Canada, and I'm going to get them, that's for sure, but I don't need to get them two weeks before the rest of the world. Yeah, but that's how I felt too. But then when I saw them and I was there and I was all excited and everything was happening around me, I couldn't resist. Couldn't right. stop myself. Well, you buy them and then bring <laughs> them back to the hotel and I'll try not to open them. Right. And try not to go back the next day and buy them. Um, I think Bicycle Girl looks awesome. Yeah. Only the weird thing about that is she's wearing pants. It is a little weird. She probably comes apart though. <clears throat> she does. I hope there's bones. Oh, yeah. She definitely comes apart. At the two, there's two sections. The uh, The... The top torso bit probably comes up away from the pants that has no feet. Right. Uh, and then she can crawl along the ground as Bicycle Girl. But, yeah, okay. So so, so we get her in the pre-legs-gone phase as well as the post-legs-ripped-off phase. That's right, yeah. Okay, I see. <laughs> well, there you go. The, that'll be fun to play with, I oh, guess. Wait a minute. There's some kind of... If you take a look at the uh, the, the Bicycle Girl action figure inside the package mm-hmm. you see coming out of her hip there there seems to be a black area uh, something happens there this thing has some kind of action involved all with right. a lever this is going to be interesting so maybe they shoot her legs off yeah in order <laughs> to find out what's going on here we're going to have to open the package well that's fine i don't mind i've i some i don't have opened some i do not many are opened right <laughs> um, and then there's Shane. I think Shane looks pretty good. He has a, a maniacal grin on his face. He kind of looks like Captain kinda. Picard to me, uh, like he, a younger actually he ac- does. younger Captain Picard. Not a not a Patrick Stewart, but Captain Picard specifically. Well, as soon as you said that, I was thinking that's a young Patrick Stewart right there. Well, I don't know. Does he, he look like that in real he life? He would have to be seventeen because he started. He was almost completely bald by the time he was nineteen. <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> but does does he look like that in real life? Like Patrick Stewart? It's weird. Now that I now that you said that, that character to me looks more like Patrick Stewart than Shane Walsh than John Burton. A little bit. I can imagine uh Captain Picard with a shotgun. Uh in the right Kick, scenario. Kicking, sure. kicking some ass somewhere. Why not? Yeah, Patrick Stewart lost all his hair when he was nineteen. He's uh he was actually really lucky in the uh, Shakespearean actor world because he could play a young man by simply wearing a hairpiece and he could play an old man by simply removing it. Why did he lose his hair so young? He's got some thing going on it's just he was almost completely bald by the time he was 19. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of a bummer, but uh, he's he's made it work. Oh yeah, he's, it works he's for him. Really made it work, so anyways, there you go, new uh round 2 of McFarland Toys action figures. These are obviously from the TV show. Yeah. Now, no word if there are is round two on comic figures. Because remember the first group, they put out some for the comic and some for the TV show. Yeah, he had uh, Michonne, which was definitely not TV show at the time. Right, 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 right. So who knows what we're going to get um, in addition from McFarlane. But these are the ones coming out soon. Cool. Um, Gentle Giant is a company that makes mini busts. 
of various things and characters, I suppose. And they are accepting pre-orders for two new Walking Dead mini-busts. I got this info from dreadcentral.com. You can click a link in our show notes to go check them out. They have Sheriff Rick Grimes and Well Walker Zombie. Mm -hmm. So again, teabag zombie. Um, These are 75 bucks each, and they're six to seven inches tall. And from the description, rendered in high-quality polystone and painted by hand. The limited edition hand-numbered busts include matching certificates of authenticity. Cool. Um, so if this is your kind of thing, they're sort of neat. Uh, personally, I like the action figures better because there's more play, you know, uh, playtime, um, potential with them. Playability. There we go. (laughs) But these are gross and kind of cool looking. Yeah. Well, they're a lot more detailed and, uh, you know, there's a whole market for people just love action busts or TV busts or movie busts or comic book busts. Statues. Statues. The, the bases of these things are uh, hexagons, and they look like they're nuts. So they could probably screw onto a bolt somewhere. <laughs> Maybe they look like your nuts. No, uh, like a nut and a bolt. <laughs> yes, I know. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so um, they do, kind of. Uh, but they're, they're sort of neat. I think it would be weird to have... I mean, as a collector, sure, it would be fun to, fun to have. But stick that thing on my shelf and my kids would never want to come near me again sweet which is not a good thing well you can keep them away from something don't touch this because there's a (laughs) big teabag zombie in front of it right don't go anywhere near it (laughs) (laughs) all right the last item in the news today is more of a not really a news item but something i just wanted to bring up it relates to the video game the telltale game I came across an article on VentureBeat called Why the Illusion of Player Choice in The Walking Dead is Important. Right. This is something we've talked about a fair bit. Uh, we complained, I think, a lot at the beginning that the choices in the game weren't really that important. Right. Um, they didn't have all that much bearing on the way it went. So from the article, it says, What The Walking Dead does so well is, make, is to make the player feel as if every choice, every conversation, and every decision has the potential to be meaningful. It consistently throws in references to your prior actions. Could some of these innocuous choices come back to haunt you? With the game series still going on, it's hard to say, but the possibility of every action possibly having a consequence weighs heavily on you as the game progresses. It makes you second-guess yourself and wonder if you made the right decisions. Um, it, uh, it goes back to something Quantric... quantric Quantric? Quantric Dream designer, game designer David Cage said prior to the release of Heavy Rain, which is a game from a couple of years ago, I think. I remember seeing it. It's been out for a while. Yeah, a couple of years. He said, I would like people to play it once because that's life. Life you can only play once. I would like people to have this experience that way. I'm fine with people reloading saves to avoid bad endings, but the right way to enjoy Heavy Rain is really to make one uh, one thing because it's going to be your story. It's going to be unique to you. It's really the story you decide to write. I think playing it several times is also a way to kill the magic of it all. Hmm. So how do you how do you feel about this? I, I this <clears throat> felt like it was a slight eye-opener to me, because I think this is a really, really good point. It is a good point. In that playing a game more than once, just to see how it goes, is a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, as they say, right? It is. You, you're sort of seeing something in, in a perfect world you'd never see. You'd play through it, you'd make your decisions, stuff would happen, and you'd be done. And you'd have a really great time. But 
going through a second time, reloading back, trying different things like like I've done. I'm playing the game twice. You are. You have two whole games going. I have two whole games going, making different decisions each time in the interest of comparing the different outcomes and seeing where it goes. And that's kind of what has led us to realize that in some ways there's not a lot of difference as it goes on. So what do you think about this point? Should I stop playing my second game? Well, I have two minds about this. One is it's a very Wizard of Oz kind of thing. Do not peek behind the curtain. Just accept the reality we're giving you, even though it is completely an illusion, uh, because uh, they're saying that your choices matter, when in fact we know they don't really matter. Not too much. I mean, they do in the very short term, typically, right? right? But if you didn't peek behind the curtain, you wouldn't know that. You would think that this was a completely... Uh, genuine adventure that's just your own. Uh, so I think it's a bit of a farce, and I think that they're kind of trying to steer you down the garden path kind of thing on one hand. On the other hand, if you enjoy the game by playing it twice, who cares? Yeah, exactly. It's not really a big deal. Um, but it, it did open my eyes a little bit. I'd never thought about it this way before. You know, I'd never really thought about the fact that, okay, I may not be as on board with this as, as some other people because I'm going through two or three times. Right. And, and a it, lot of people really will just play through it once and love it. That's what I do. I only play once. I've only got one game going. So I'm ruining it for I you. I never go back. Well, not really. Because <laughs> at the end of the game, they show you the decisions that you had and you know where you stand on the, uh, the, the spectrum of the rest of the world. Right. Right? Yeah, so, okay. I don't know. And, and, and also this point kind of makes... Uh, uh, a good argument in you're making it not a choose your own adventure. You're making it a choose all the adventures. Yes. And I can remember as a kid, you know, reading choose your own adventure books. And I don't know if it was just me, but I would constantly go back, try other scenarios. Like even if like I made a choice in that book and it said, go to page 85 and I'd go to page 85, read a few paragraphs, go back and make a different choice and just go and see where it went. And that was just the way I read those books. Yeah, I didn't read them that way. I just I actually chose my own adventure, got through it, and went, hmm, that was interesting. Moved on to the next one. So you never tried to go back and read the whole thing. See, this is – and this survives to this day with video games because even with a game that's not like the Telltale Walking Dead game, <clears throat> any game that does involve choices or opportunities to branch the story a certain way, I'll usually go back and try to complete things a different way. Right. Um, or if there are missions you can do, say, a game that that's sort of a mission-based game, if you can go do one or two and then bypass other ones, I'll often go back and try the other, other path. I might not do it until I've completed one full one because a video game isn't like a book. You can't quite as easily just turn back pages and try something else. But I think I've been doing this my whole life. Right. I'm just realizing. <laughs> well, there you go. So... It must be in my nature. Yeah, and I, you know, everybody plays video games their own way. I tend to be a bit of a completionist, and I get, uh, I get caught up collecting flags and ignore the plot. But you know what? That is where it stems from me. I'm a completionist, and I want to play the whole game, or I want to read the whole book. You know, I feel like if you just, if you, as a twelve-year-old reading a choose-your-own-adventure, I would feel like making choices, and I'd get through the book, and then I'd be like, but there's a whole other story in here I could have read. I want to read that too. Right. So um, in the future, I don't think I'm going to change. I'll probably still play video games over and over again. And uh, that's that. But it does make me appreciate a little bit more, I think, what 
the developers of this and the writers of this story are trying to do and the hurdles they're up against right. when putting together a story like this. And uh, you just, you know, you're playing to your nature. And uh, as uh, Dr. Phil uh, often says or said, uh, the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. Nobody ever changes. <laughs> no, he's just saying an indicator. It's not saying that nobody ever changes, but, you know, people tend to do what they tend to do. I guess so. That article was written by Ben Ebel or Ebel on VentureBeat.com. I'll have a link to that in our show notes if you want to check it out. All right. It is time to take a quick break. Uh, we are going to break to thank one of our sponsors when we come back. We've got listener feedback and um, one entry in a segment we haven't had in a while, but we'll Ooh. be getting back into soon. So stick around for that. What we'll could it be? What could it be? Who knows? We'll find out right after this. For you guys, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. So, Jason, what book should we talk about this week? You know, we should really talk about uh, Rise of the Governor again, because the new one's coming out. It is. It is. uh, On the, what did I say, the 16th? Yep. Earlier. So I think, uh, you know, go to Audible, download uh, Rise of the Governor and listen to it again or for the first time or listen to it while you're reading reading the book and see where they differ. <laughs> Probably not very many Probably places. Probably not very many places, but right. uh, you know, I haven't actually done that before. Listen to the book and read it at the same time. The problem with that is uh, you can read a lot faster than than someone would be li- dictating it to you in your uh, in your in your <laughs> head in your brain pan. Yeah. I tend to not read that fast, to tell you the truth. Do you think you could get through this whole book in 10 hours? Um, maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying, you read faster in your head than you do out loud, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. Because I, I actually process it into audio when I read it, when I read a book. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know. Most people probably do, but that's besides the point. Right. With uh, The Road to Woodbury coming out in a few weeks, now is the best opportunity you can take to go and read Rise of the Governor. Listen. Listen, go read. listen to. Same thing. Go to audible.com. And, uh, and grab it. What's uh, Do you have it up there? What's the running time? I do. 10 hours and 50 minutes. That's why I was asking about 10 hours. 10 hours and 50? 50. 50 minutes. Rise of the Governor. Read it now before the second one in the trilogy comes out. To download that book or your or any other free audiobook, and they have 100,000 titles there, so there's lots to choose from. That's a lot. Head over to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That is audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for a free audiobook. Listener feedback. All righty. It is time for listener feedback. And we have an email. Brian from the internet wrote in with potentially 
massive spoilers for the comic TV show and the first novel, Rise of the Governor, coming wow. up right now. You know how long it's been since we've given a spoiler alert before the spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> we have not been always the best at the spoiler <laughs> alerts. I, I understand that. Luckily, our listeners are so engaged with the Walking Dead universe that they've all read the whole comic right up to issue 102. They've all seen the TV show. They've read the novels and everything. So, you know, we haven't really, really upset anybody. But in this case... I'm putting it out there right now. Massive spoilers for all three properties right now, or cool. all three versions of this thing coming up. So here we go. If you don't want to hear it, skip ahead a little bit. I can't, I can't skip ahead. You have to stay here and hear it. <laughs> all I'm, right. I'm afraid. I'll take one for the internet. <laughs> so um, Brian, as I said, wrote in. He says, I have what I hope is the first, holy crap, did you hear that moment? I downloaded The Walking Dead Rise of the Governor from Audible the other day. The main characters take refuge in a toy shop, and Penny finds herself a stuffed bear, which she saves. I thought, holy crap, I think Penny is the walker that Rick shoots in episode one oh of my the God. TV show. Oh, my God. <laughs> he goes on. So let's say that I am right. How does this fit into the theory that the series will eventually end with said opening scene from season one, episode one, which is my theory. It is. Wrongly, at, but it is. No, listen. At the end of the book, Rise of the Governor, Penny is in fact a walker, and the governor is keeping her alive by feeding her parts of dead people. Right. So perhaps at the end of the series, Rick and friends will overthrow the governor and start a new community there in Woodbury. Perhaps Rick will return to his old role as a lawman. Find himself a new uniform and car. By the end of the series, most of the walkers have rotted away, and when you see someone walking around, they are most likely a living person. Perhaps Rick has gone for weeks without seeing a walker. Penny might be the last surviving walker because she was taken care of and fed up to when the governor was overthrown. Huh. That's why he's standing in the gas station, and uh, he sees her, and his first assumption is, Oh my God, a little girl. She's alive. Then she turns around, and he's so surprised to see her as a zombie. Hmm. And that's the last scene of the TV show, final <laughs> episode. You think so, eh? Yeah, well, Brian does. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. I would really, really like that. But that whole uh, teddy bear, penny, zombie, walker thing is uh, really quite interesting. She finds a teddy bear in the toy store in the book, in the Rise of the Governor, and in the TV show, the first zombie we see is a little girl carrying a teddy bear. Right. Who's a who's a walker. So there's something there. I'm just, I, I doubt it, but, I, you know, there might be. That'd be cool. It would be cool. It would bring it all full circle, bring it right back together. It would. Um, thank you, Brian. That is uh, very, very cool. And I stand by my theory that that is the final scene of the whole series. <laughs> Uh, alrighty, we got a call from Sean in Vancouver about Michonne and her sword play ability. Hi, Chris and Jason. It's Sean calling from Vancouver. I was listening to your last podcast, and you were talking about Michonne's backstory as far as her fencing goes um, and where it originates from. It is in the comic book uh, when Rick and Glenn and Michonne go out looking for the crashed helicopter. Uh, Glenn asks her, you know, what she did before everything started and uh, she said that she was a lawyer and that she had studied fencing and when she was young and again in college so that's where her skill comes from but uh, fencing and um, the katana are, are, are quite different um, 
the katana is mostly a slicing weapon, whereas a foil or a saber is mostly a, a thrusting weapon. So they're, they're pretty different. And when most people um, learn katana, they, uh, they pick it up and they first uh, use it like a person would an axe. They try to chop with it or hack with it. And it takes a lot of skill and training to learn how to slice with it. So Michonne seems to have gotten this training without, uh, you know, any formal schooling, which is a bit unusual. But maybe she's a prodigy like Andrea is one with a gun. That's what I'm going to go with. Anyway, love your show. Doing good work, and I can't wait for Season 3 to start. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you, Sean. So we got an email, too, um, from... A Miracle, the Chaotic, in Mexico. <laughs> cool. And he expands on that a little bit. A lot of people wrote in, actually, about the Katana ability. Um, Sean mentioned that it was in the comic, that she that's where the uh, information came about her studying it in school, right. which I couldn't remember last week. So <clears throat> good to know that. Now, uh, a Miracle, or Emericol? What do you think? A Miracle? <laughs> the Chaotic, in Mexico. He writes, when people think uh, of fencing, they usually think French and Italian school modern fencing, which covers three weapons. One, the foil, which uses the tip to attack the torso of the opponent. Right. Two, the epi, or the epi, I don't know, which uses the tip to attack the full body. Right. And number three, the saber, which uses the tip and blade to attack the body from the waist up, except the hands. Um, the saber would be the most similar to the katana, and if Michonne is a good fencer, then I'm willing to grant that she is at least competent with the saber. Hmm. The katana is somewhat bigger, heavier, and will require her to use both hands. The technique is different, yet she has a pretty good idea of what she's doing. Her opponents are slower, and by the time she gets to the prison, she has had time to practice. So I'm willing to grant that she was good to begin with and got better. Okay. So we have a lot of listeners who are knowledgeable about swordplay, katanas, and fencing. Right. And a lot of them wrote in, but those uh, sort of that call and that uh, email were kind of the two uh, most detailed. And it clearly shows that Michonne could, you know, it is within the realm of possibility that she is good or getting better with this katana sword. Katana sword. Katana. There you go. Katana. Um, So anything to add there? Uh, I would agree with that. A saber is uh, can be, you know, used as a with a as the tip and uh, and a slashing weapon. Uh, it is one handed, uh, whereas the katana is it can either be one handed or two handed. It gets a lot more power with uh, with two handed. Right. Um, yeah, I guess if fencing if uh, her fencing training included saber training, then uh, sure, what the hell? So it's the saber is 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 it any different from the other two, or is it just a different attack method? Uh, well, saber has a curved blade, and okay. it's what the uh, the cavalry wear. You know, when you see a, a, a somebody in a dress uniform in the states, and they have that uh, have a sword next next to them, mm-hmm. that's a saber. Yeah, yeah, the big curved blade. But that's the same saber that's used in fencing saber. I would assume so. Okay, <laughs> same name anyway. I used to own a foil. I had one. I bought one at a garage sale one time. It oh, was nice. a kid's foil. It was only like uh, yay long, but uh, I. I don't have any idea what happened to it. Well, hopefully you didn't use it to rob a bank and then have your memory wiped. Yeah, that's right. Walk into a bank with a foil (laughs) with a big red rubber tip on the end uh, and give me your money and they all laugh at me and go, yeah, go uh, swing your antenna somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Go swing that pair of rabbit ears in another bank. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, there you go. So I'm just glad to know that Michonne, you know, wielding this sword, it's sort of based in reality. That's uh-huh. good. Aaron from Syracuse, New York writes in. He says, just wanted to comment on something I think you discussed in show number 80. So eight shows ago. That's correct. Which was if people attacked uh, by zombies mostly get eaten, how come there are so many zombies up and around rather than just a lot of twitching pieces of meat on the ground? Mm-hmm. My guess is that it has something to do with critical mass. Early on, there are more humans than zombies. So the uh, bitten could have been easily rescued fairly quickly and gotten to safely, safety mostly intact. A few marauding zombies could also have been more easily distracted by the presence of many other humans and thus leave a meal unfinished. After most zombies were transformed, a victim couldn't easily get away, and there are more hungry zombies. So the victims are more likely to be devoured almost completely. Hmm. So what he's saying is that at the beginning, people are more likely to be turned into actual roaming zombies. And that's how the zombie population explodes so quickly at the beginning of a zombie apocalypse. Right, right, right. Because there's so many people out there that are living that have the potential to be zombies. Once most of those people are turned, um, you know, the zombies that are out there are in higher numbers than the living people. So they tend to eat people they come across entirely, and we don't get a lot of new zombies happening. Right. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a good theory, you know. Uh, either way, you end up with an awful lot of zombies roaming around. And it's not cool. So the uh, the moral of this story is when the zombie apocalypse first starts, don't rescue anybody. Uh, let them... Let well. them get devoured. <laughs> no, because then the end result's going to be the same. No, it won't, because if a bunch of... If a few zombies start chomping on some living person... Uh, and you rescue them, they're going to turn into a zombie and have, you know, be pretty much intact to go and attack other people. But if right. you let them get devoured completely, then then they, you know, the species kind of dies out. Well, they don't reproduce quite as fast. That's right. Okay, I, I can see that. So don't save anybody. Just if you're, put on your running shoes and get the hell out of there. If, if you're rescuing people from a zombie attack, you're just taking them with you. They're going to turn, turn into a zombie and then eat you. That's right. So... Keep them, let them be killed, keep them at, you know, a distance, and hopefully you can take care of the zombies. Right. And if they're devoured, they won't, uh, sure, they'll turn, but they'll end up like Bicycle Girl, where they're not all, you know, they're not really competent zombies at that point. They're just kind of writhing, twitching masses of meat on the ground. uh, Yes, twitching pieces of meat, as as Aaron said. So, don't rescue anybody. That's our new lesson for today. Yep. (laughs) Let them get eaten. Do not be a humanitarian, because then you'll be a zombitarian. Katie from Facebook wrote in, she said, I was just wondering about your view on Carol. Do you think she is becoming a bit of a loose thread in the group and that she might be killed off in season three? So to review quickly, we both are sort of on board that Herschel is going to die in season three. Yep. Uh, I am fairly convinced that Lori is not going to make it out of season three alive. I sure hope she does. And that leaves a bunch of other people, including Carol. Right. And I could see Carol being one to go. I mean, her story has diverged from Carol in the comic so much already that either it's going to go one of two ways. Either her character will strengthen and become a very important part of the group, right. or it will go the other way where she'll continue to fade into obscurity and then get eaten by a zombie or something like that. Right. 
<clears throat> what do you think? Which answer do you want? Do you want the uh, the character answer, or do you want the uh, television show uh, storyline answer? I want the television show storyline answer. Okay, she's not going to die because she's the love interest for Daryl. Uh yeah, but I don't. I mean, is she? Because they sort of they sort of broached that already, and then she kind of they pushed each other away a little no, bit. No, we got a whole uh, moonlighting thing going on here. It's kind of like uh, they you know come together, go apart, come together, go apart. They'll eventually come together. It's a whole you know big story arc that's going to last a long time. But uh, no, she's the love interest for Daryl. She's not going anywhere. Okay, so we've got Rick and Lori who <clears throat> who are having a bit of a rough time in their marriage. Right. You know, they were they were struggling before the zombie apocalypse happened, and then it did, and that doesn't fix anything. It just makes it worse. Right. And we've got Glenn and Maggie, yep. who are new, just getting together. They're going to live happily ever after. Pretty much, yep. And then we've got Daryl and Carol, yep. whose names rhyme, so they have to get together. together. Yeah, well, look at you and your wife. Chris well, and Christina? Yeah, we have the same name. They don't rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of rhyme. <laughs> Not really. They, they, they're beginning rhymes. Anyway. Um, you know, I'm not the only guy that I know that married a woman whose name is the same as him, so it, it, it happens. I, I worked uh, I worked with a company who's uh, this guy, Mark. He married a guy named Mark. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a little different. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they have the same name, Mark and Mark. Mark and Mark. Mark squared. Uh, yeah, I know a guy who's named Andy and, named and-, and married Andrea. Nice. Andy and Andrea. Anyhow, Carol and Daryl. They are sort of the third version of the couple here. They're not together. They kind of repel each other at times. Yet you can tell that they're going to swing back together at some point, and maybe then repel each other again some way, some point down down the road. Right. So you think she's going to survive just for that sort of dramatic couple tension? Yes. What was your other answer? Uh, the other answer was the uh, the character answer, like okay. the pure in story uh, arc. In that she's doing nothing. Yes. Yeah, she's a loose thread and she's going to die pretty much right away. So where does that leave T-Dog? He does even less, but he's still alive. Now, they're keeping him alive because he's got something coming up, as we we figure. Who was the love triangle with T-Dog that I mentioned a number of episodes ago? It was him and Shane and... What? Shane and T-Dog are getting together? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. I I thought there was a love triangle involving T-Dog and... It might have been Rick or Shane, I forget. I don't know. If anyone goes back and figures that out, let us know. Yeah. I have no idea. But T-Dog, they're keeping around because he's got to deal with with the Merle thing. Right. Right? So he may not survive that. Who knows? But Carol, okay, I think Carol is probably a good candidate to be killed. Yeah. She lost her daughter in season two. She's got nothing left to live for. Um, her Her husband... Was a was a bastard, and he got zombified and killed off. Yep. So she's lost everybody. She's sort of a loner in this group. The only thing that makes me think the other way is that she does seem to be doing something in the trailer for season three. Okay. Now that doesn't tell me very much, so I don't know. Well, yeah, she does seem to be doing something, but uh, she might not survive the first block of episodes, right? Right. That's what I mean. Like, she might not survive the first eight or the whole... By the end of the season, she might be gone. Okay, here's the other thing, is that she's low-hanging fruit, right? She did lose her husband. She did lose her daughter. Uh, you know, if she dies, you know, what's Daryl going to do? He's going to be like, eh, pass me the squirrels. So it, the other the thing is they don't do what's expected. Like, they will not do. They, will, they don't kill a character off that doesn't have any ties to anyone. They kill somebody off who has a lot of ties to someone. Sure. So why not develop her ties to Daryl and then kill her off? And and 
make that part of his character, right? Like he finally, he's this guy, he finally found someone to love, she gets killed or whatever, and now, you know, he has to carry on from there. I'm, uh, I actually believe that Daryl's more likely to die than Carol at this point. What? Wow, I don't and think the, they're going to kill Daryl. Uh, that would, people would stop watching the show if they did that. Well, that's the thing. There's the uh, the story kind of television show as a business uh, kind of reasoning, and then there's the the character in story complete, uh, you know, character thing uh, reason. And I, I really think that Carol is not going anywhere, and I think that uh, she's going to be tied to Daryl, and they're going to eventually live uh, happily ever after. They'll be the last two standing. Well, no, but I think that uh, <laughs> after a number of years, that uh, you know, when the show eventually ends, or the comic book, like the comic book, eventually ends, it's just that you know they'll take care of the, the zombie situation, and they'll you know the sun will come up, and they'll plant crops, and that'll be the end of that. Okay, I I don't know. I think I'm going to call right now that Carol will probably survive season three. I think she will make it all the way through. I agree, and if she does. It, she will become a bigger part of the group. She will develop a relationship with Daryl or maybe somebody else. Who knows? And um, and and uh, and she'll become a, an important part of the show. There's a third option though that um, that I think could happen, and that is that she could just leave. That's true. She doesn't have she doesn't have any ties to the group. If things, you know, depending on how things go with Woodbury, maybe. We'll get one of those storylines where some of our characters want to go live there and some don't. Maybe she'll go live Woodbury. We'll never see her again, you know? Something like that. There's also the argument where uh, it's the quiet ones that survive, right? Yeah, people you know, who don't the, say anything. The big, brash, loud ones, like Shane, tend not to survive. And like, uh, uh, what's his name, too, with the hat? Dale. Dale. Dale, same kind of thing. He was making a big stink. He was uh, being very bold and very active. Uh, anybody, you, you stick your neck out, he's going to get cut off. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point. Uh, I don't know. She may not have a line ever again in the show, but she'll always be right there in the background. Same with T-Dog. He's just lying in the background, just waiting, quietly surviving. T-Dog's going to get his moment in the sun. I think he is. And I, I think he may be lying in a heap on the ground in the sun. But You think, you think you know, Carol and T-Dog will go out in a blaze of glory, saving the rest of the group? That'd be awesome. It would be awesome. We haven't seen that yet. No. Sacrifice yourself for the good of the group? For the good of the group. Carol and T-Dog all at once. That's right. I'm on board with that. Let's do that. Okay. Thank you, Katie, for that uh, Facebook, uh, that question on Facebook. It obviously is one that... Uh, We've thought a little bit about. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. All right. One more thing before we wrap it up. I promised a segment that we haven't done in a while. So here we go. Holy crap. Did you see that? That's right. We'll be bringing this back when season three is on again, of course. But over the summer, there's not a lot of holy crap. Did you see that stuff happening? But I got an email here from the internet from Mirror Mirror. That's that's the name. Mirror Mirror, mirror, mirror. Sure. It's like, uh, is that like, what's the name of Thor's hammer? Uh, starts with an M. Yeah. Molnir. Molnir. Or something like that. Anyways, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. I, I just don't know. But it, uh, he or she writes in, my holy crap, did you see that moment? I had never heard of the graphic novel or the TV show or even the phrase, The Walking Dead. On Halloween 2010, I fell asleep on the couch with the TV on. 
When I woke up, there was a half a body crawling through a park using its hands. Horrified, I watched as it turned and revealed a decaying face. A police officer said, I'm sorry this happened to you, and shot it in the head. <laughs> I've been hooked ever since. Oh, that's awesome. This is, this is, yeah, this is one of my favorite holy craps ever. Someone who fell asleep on their couch, woke up, and saw the bicycle girl scene and was like, I got to watch this. <laughs> holy crap. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's I, awesome. We, I think I've had this for a little while, so I apologize for not reading it sooner, but uh, that's a fantastic one. Now, they sent a PS in, which was this. Tried... <laughs> Try drinking pickle juice if you have leg cramps. Ooh. Works miracles, honest. And I, I, maybe we were talking about leg cramps at some point. I honestly don't remember. So uh, that apparently is a remedy for muscle cramps. I looked it up on the internet, and it's a real thing. I, the vinegar, apparently, in, um, in pickle juice has a reaction with your muscles to loosen them up a little bit. Cool. And apparently the effect of it is almost instantaneous. And they say, you could just drink straight vinegar, but pickle juice is a little more palatable than straight vinegar. Yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> Why well, pickle juice, come on. You like pickles. I like pickles, but pickles in small quantities. I don't know if I'd drink, they like, how much pickle juice do you They need? only recommend a few teaspoons or, or a couple of tablespoons. Oh, okay, good. So not a lot. You're I'm not, not going to go <laughs> chug a bottle of vinegar, right? I don't have to do that? You're not going to take your Bix jar and chug it down after you're done, no. <laughs> um, although... I like pickles quite a bit. You would chug a jar of pickle juice? I would on a dare. I mean, do, do you, you think... Any, it, do you have a jar of pickles upstairs? No. Because I'll dare you. I'll do, dare you right now. <laughs> I'm come showing up okay. with pickle juice next weekend. Do you think... We'll do it on the air. Do you think that there would be any adverse effects of drinking the pickle juice? Like if no. you had like a liter of it. A, a liter? Adverse effects? Okay, maybe half a liter. Vomitous. <laughs> You, you think so? Yeah, I really think if you drank a liter of pickle juice or a liter of vinegar, your body would just outright reject it. Vinegar, yes. You can't actually swallow that much vinegar, I don't think. It's not, you can't even get it down. Pickle juices just taste like pickles. I don't know, man. A liter is a hell of a lot of pickle juice. Okay, maybe there's not a liter in a, in a jar of pickles. Maybe there's like a half or a quarter of a liter. Um, I'm just saying, the juice that's left in a pickle jar when you're done, how much, like, could you drink all that in one sitting, no, one go? Me? No. Could someone? Maybe. Human being. A human being? Possibly. <laughs> They'd have the loosest muscles of anybody. They'd drink it and just collapse in a heap on the floor. And then throw up. Well, I don't know about that. I'm going to try it. All right. <laughs> Do it at your house. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably a good idea. Thor's hammer's name is uh, Mjolnir. Okay, and what's the armor in Halo called? Because I think it had a similar name. Oh, man, I no. looked that up. While you're looking it up, I'm going to end the show, so you better do it fast. Master Chief's armor. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, the number is one eight six six four eight three zomb That is one eight six six four eight three nine six six two. It's a toll-free call, so it doesn't cost you anything. We appreciate all the comments, questions, or feedback we get to that line. But you can also send an email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That works as well. Or find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Had a few posts there this weekend with uh, some fun stuff that listeners have sent in, like a ratings chart Ooh. for the show. And... Um, uh, a, a video a guy did um, of uh, trying to see Sophia in the barn before the big reveal. So go check those out if you want. Uh, post your comments. It's really fun over there. 
And, uh, of course, that's where you go to enter our How to Kill a Zombie contest as well. Post your favorite ways over there. The prize for that, I should say, is a Walking Dead messenger bag, which I've had in the uh, Talking Dead prize vault for some time. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to giving that away. And in in the bag will be a few special items as well. I'm thinking probably some sort of apparel. And maybe some additional comic books. Who knows what could be in there? There will be other stuff, though. So go and enter that contest. We'll announce the winner on the Season 3 premiere podcast, and that will be sometime after the premiere on October 14th, in the next day or two. Cool. Being in New York for Comic-Con, we got to figure out our recording schedule, but we will do that. In the meantime, we probably will have one more podcast between now and the start of the season. I would say, since it's only September 24th right now. Just one? Uh, well, if we do, if we take, if we go in two weeks, that would probably just be one more, right? We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Maybe two more. Well, I'm not sure how it goes. Depends on what there is to talk about and what kind of feedback we get. So if you want to hear us ramble on more, <laughs> send in calls and emails. That's a feedback loop right there. <laughs> I don't know if that's incentive or not. We'll see. Uh, did you find the Master Chief armor? I did. It's actually the same name. It's Mjolnir armor. It's Mjolnir Mark V is Halo, and his new one is the Mark VI. There you go. So it's the same thing. Same I, name as Thor's hammer. I knew it was similar, and apparently it's the same. So similar that it's the same. Exactly. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. We'll be back in a week or two. Who knows? Goodbye. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour... You're gonna see some serious shit.